This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. Hey everybody, welcome to Going in Circles Live. It's Tuesday, uh, 27th of July. We're well into the Saratoga and Del Mar meetings. We had uh, some interesting racing on the, the weekend. Um, the coaching club, Oaks, which was a uh, a big upset with Malathat getting beat at 1-5, uh, to five, uh, which wasn't something that... Uh, Many people saw coming. Um, we had a couple other, you know, the, the turf horses were the focus out. California with uh, United, who has a great affinity for uh, for Del Mar, beating um, is uh, well. I guess I, I can't really call him a uh, his, his rival, but um, you know, beating smooth like straight. Uh, in Yeti Reed at a mile and an eighth, which might be a little bit further than Smooth. Um, smooth like straight wants to go. Uh, and United has, has, of course, over the years proved that Del Mar is his favorite track. And it just so happens that Del Mar is the uh, host of this year's Breeders' Cup. The question, of course, is uh, uh, you know who is coming over from the other side of the pond because they have pretty much... Um, Whipped our turf horses worse than normal this this year. Uh, really kind of put a a beating on them. And United didn't really show up last year. Of course, that was at Keeneland. And uh, uh, the Keeneland course and the Del Mar course aren't exactly alike. And, you know, we've got a little bit of a home court advantage. And it's still a long ways away. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, uh, the Shuvi... Royal Flag, I, I was really impressed with Royal Flag. Uh, she got a pretty nice pace set up. Uh, Horror Culture set a pretty a pretty rapid pace, which was, uh, I, I guess everyone was kind of expecting the Ian Wilkes horse who had just had run, you know, two for two lifetime, both times on the lead, uh, to be on the lead. But she didn't break sharp, and, and she did uh, kind of prompt Horror Culture a little bit, and she went a pretty pretty solid half mile, three quarters for, uh, for the dirt these days, and uh, Royal Flag just sat in the back and under Joe Rosario just just made one, one one run and and um, uh, won nicely. Uh, Dunbar Road kind of threw another clunker in and that's that's two clunkers in a row uh, off of Lasix. Now it might not be the Lasix; it might be something else. Maybe she's just. Uh, and she's an older filly, so, you know, they, they sometimes cycle out of form. Uh, but, I mean, the one thing that we can tell is different is that she hasn't got Lasix. And uh, she's a pretty consistent filly. Every once in a while, she'd throw a clunker in. But that's two in a row for her. And, I mean, she didn't run terrible, but she certainly didn't run uh, up to the the status of, of the horse who was the favorite in uh, in that race, the Shuvi. Uh, the Shuvi, of course, was out, was without... Um, with Skydiver, who would have been the headliner, as uh, her and, and the rest of Ken McPeak's barn is at Saratoga, is still under quarantine. 
Uh, it's supposed to come out, I think, this weekend or, or begin, early part of next week if, if all goes well and, and there's no other positive tests. And so far it sounds like uh, they're all on course. Uh, Ken is talking about uh, running Swiss Skydiver into Whitney, which, um, I mean, kind of spices the Whitney up a little bit, especially with, uh, with Mystic Guide kind of going to the sidelines. Uh, Country Grammar, another horse uh, that was supposed to be racing in the East Coast uh, Handicap Division has, has seemingly gone to the sidelines for the rest of the year. And um, it's, uh, I mean, it happens every year, but the division is kind of thinning out, unfortunately. Uh, it does look like some of the, the three-year-olds are going to take up the chase, though. Um, this weekend, we have a couple three-year-old races that are going to... Uh, uh, you know, be part of, uh, you know, maybe part of uh, determining uh, how this these fall races turn out. We have the Jim Dandy on, on Saturday. Uh, you have um, Essential Quality, who's the, the leader of the division right now off of his, his Belmont win. Um, you have the Curlin on Friday, which first captain... Um, is, is coming back in. He's going to, to face uh, a couple horses who were on the Derby Trail that kind of bombed out, uh, collaborate and dynamic one. Um, so those races, uh, both at a mile and an eighth, around two turns, will kind of help shake out like who's going forward, who's not going forward, and, and who might be a factor uh, against older horses towards the end of the year. Um, there's a really good, honestly, this weekend at Saratoga, it's, it's really stacking up to be a nice weekend. I hope the rain holds off. Uh, uh, tomorrow we have the Honorable Miss. Uh, Bell's the one for Mr. Neil Pesson. Uh, will be, uh, that's my, my grunder um, tribute, Mr. Neil Pesson. Um, she looks like the one to beat in there. The, the rare graded stake on a Wednesday. Uh, but Saturday and, and Sunday look like there's there's going to be some, uh, you know, really nice fields. Um the Bowling Green, which looks to be competitive. Um, most of the good East Coast turf horses will be in there. Uh, the Jim Dandy, we just talked about. The Vanderbilt, which looks like a, a, a nice race. Um, Steve asked, Missions got, uh, always seems to have a good sprinter, strike power. And Whitmore, of course, will, will be the, uh, the big name in there, the last year's Breeders' Cup and Eclipse Award winner. Uh, on Sunday, I, to me, the race of uh, that, that I'm looking most forward to is probably the Amsterdam, and it's a rematch between Jackie's Warrior and Drain the Clock, a rematch from the Woody Stevens, where uh, Jackie's Warrior stumbled at the start, Drain the Clock got the jump on on him, and uh, and wound up pulling away uh, at the end, and, and uh, I don't know how big of a field the Amsterdam's going to draw, but uh, it, it should be a an interesting tactical race, and the Jackie's Warrior is almost always in front, and uh, Drain the Clock is usually in front. So, um, provided they both break sharp, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there and, and kind of who takes the lead in the sprint division for three year olds. Uh, speaking of which, Life is Good, who is now under the care of Todd Pletcher at Saratoga, uh, was announced this week that. The Alan Jerkins at 7 Ace on Travers Day on the undercard, I believe. I think it's on the undercard, right? Um, 
It always was. I mean, traditionally, the king's bishop was always on the Traverse Underground. But uh, he is being pointed for that race, which kind of really, uh, you know, really, really could make that a, a blockbuster type race. And that, um, you know, he was clearly the early season uh, Derby favorite. Uh, he just dominated horses in California, um, winning despite <laughs> practically bolting. Which, of course, was the result of, uh, or, or because of, uh, an injury that he's had that, that's been taken care of. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back. And, and you, uh, you know, if Drain the Clock, Jackie's Warrior both uh, put on another show like they did last time, fast forward them into the, the Alan Jerkins, and you're talking about uh, a real headliner of a race. Um, so that's uh, that. That's this weekend, and uh, I know it's a little Saratoga centric, but uh, eh, I have an East Coast bias. That's all there is to it, and that's just the way it's going to be. Um, today we have uh, a special guest um, who's coming on in, in just a, a little bit. Um, I, I noticed him on Twitter, and there's a lot of bad on Twitter. I mean, lately some of the nonsense has, has just been terrible. Um, some of my, my my favorite people have have left Twitter. Uh, well, Barry got banned. <laughs> Still, two months. It's just ludicrous. Uh, but he might be making a comeback soon. Uh, but Sid Fernando and and uh, O Crunk O Crunk decided to fold up his Twitter account the other day. And um, you know when those guys and I'm not blaming or pointing fingers or anything. It just seems like. They're just a little bit weary of the, you know, sometimes the, the uh, I don't want to say mental toll. I mean, it's Twitter. You don't have to be on there. But it's just sometimes, you know, the you get tired of fighting. And especially when, and this is one thing that bothers me, and you can call me arrogant or elitist or whatever you want. I don't care. But it bothers me when I see people saying things that just blatantly aren't true. And... Other people agreeing with them because that's how we get into a lot of messes, especially in this business. And the, the business of racing, the industry has done such a poor job in educating uh, the, the participants as well as the, um, the, you know, the, the fans and, and the people who are the lifeblood of the sport, the gamblers. There's so many inconsistencies and misconceptions and man it just gets frustrating having to to argue these cases sometimes and it doesn't mean that i'm always right but i can tell you what the rule is a lot of times there's a lot of occasions where people are, are just misquoting or just uh, like the whole disqualification in the haskell i mean come on this is you know it's a textbook case and people say, well, I don't think the horse should be disqualified. Well, you know, on what grounds? Oh, well, it was Paco's fault. He put him in that position. You know, like, huh? <laughs> you don't have to like Paco, but he really, you know, uh, and, and all his action in the race prior to that last 16th, it, it's like immaterial. Oh, but... It just gets it just wears on you, and um, you know you, you can't. Sometimes you wind up in a discussion with someone, and 
they're not even arguing the same thing that you are. And, and that gets to be a little bit frustrating, too. And honestly, I, I understand why people would step away. And the, th- the thing is that now that we have racing back and uh, it's, it's, you know, you're able to attend racing, at least we can get some of the social atmosphere of actually being at the races back. Though the fact of the matter is that most racetracks outside of the weekend cards and some places only Saturdays, there's just not that many people there. And um, I just wish people were a little bit more open-minded about... Uh, about some things it just seems like we're uh, we're close-minded um about a lot and we're all guilty of it some people are just a little more guilty uh anyways i ran across a guy and he's been um he followed me and and i i was paying attention to some of his his tweets and and he uh is is well his twitter name is chartinghorsevalue.com and he came up with a, a handicap system, um, and I thought it was kind of interesting. And uh, I noticed that he's a, a, a Navy veteran. He's retired at a relatively young age, so he, he's got to be a pretty smart guy. Uh, so I reached out and, and, and said, hey, do you want to come on the show and kind of explain what's going on with your charts? Because I look at his charts, and I, I really, to be honest, I, I don't know what they're saying. Um but he's got a really interesting story, and uh, it's funny because there's so many different types of people and uh, people from all walks of life in horse racing that um, you know you, you never you know you don't realize the cross section of people involved in the business, and that's one of the real uh, positives of the business that I think a lot of times is lost on us, in that um, you know there, there's you're meeting people from all walks of life, uh, from all over the world. And that's what the one of the good things about social media is you're able to communicate with people all over the world. And unfortunately, there's also trolls all over the world. So, uh, anyways, uh, today everybody's up in arms about gymnastics. Like anyone pays any attention to gymnastics. The other, how, how many... How many days uh, in a year times four? A lot. Like 1,200, 1,300, 1,400. You know, come on, man. Just stop. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're going to go to commercial. And back on the other side, we're going to have uh, Jeff from uh, Charting Horse Value kind of explain what uh, what is going on. From BRL Equine, the people that bring you EPO Equine, Unlock, and Bleeder Shield, now comes Flexify HA, the most advanced scientifically based joint supplement on the market. To find out more, contact me, Joseph Volante, at 215-501-6880. To be the best, give them only the best. BRL Equine. This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. All right, we're back. Uh, Casey's getting a hold of Jeff. We'll have him in just a few minutes. 
Um, I did want to make a comment on the mama situation. And I didn't last night on the on the podcast because we had so much other stuff to talk about. But what's going on at Mammoth is just so typical of this business. It's just so typical. And it, it seems as even though this rule change was made uh, close to a year ago, it seems like nobody was prepared for someone to violate the rule. Because the way it's been handled... Um, is just nuts. The fact that the uh, Bill Finley put uh, something about um, the Monmouth, or the, excuse me, the New Jersey Racing Commission. Now uh, they operate kind of like uh, um, uh, the Kremlin, right? I mean, they're not talking about anything. Dennis Drazen went up there last week to their meeting to try to get some clarification. No clarification was forthcoming. Um, the stewards don't comment on anything, so everybody's just left to guess, which of course is is terrible just terrible um but there was two cases that we've talked about where horses were struck with the whip during a race and one case was uh carlos lopez and not the carlos lopez who's been riding all over uh the country for years or his father carlos lopez senior it's a different carlos lopez who was just new to the country had i think had seven mounts in the united states before uh, riding at Monmouth for the first time um, and just mistakenly hit the horse twice. And his horse was clearly second, was going to be clearly second. Uh, it wasn't a matter of um, changing the order of finish. It was just muscle memory. It's what the guy's, how he's ridden his whole life. And he had a brain fart and he did it. And he admitted so. And he uh, was, was willing to accept um, the penalty. Uh, personally, I think a warning would have sufficed, but, uh, you know, hey, okay. Well, the Montalvo case, where the horse was clearly getting out on the turn, Carlos hit the horse two or three times to prevent the horse from getting out worse, and it actually kind of helped um, that situation, uh, especially a horse that has known um, behavioral issues, who was difficult in the paddock, was difficult in the post-parade, uh, and is a very inexperienced horse who hadn't run in a long time. Well, after having a hearing and then delaying the the findings and having people uh, testify uh, on Carlos's behalf about the horse, about the ride, uh, the New Jersey stewards found they, they they thought it was the right thing to do to give him the same exact penalty for striking the horse. For safety purposes, even though that's what they tell everybody. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you, you can carry the whip. You just can only use it for safety purposes. So he uses it for safety purpose. And they say, well, I guess it just wasn't enough of a safety purpose, which is complete bullshit. It's completely speculative. It, it's, it's nonsensical. It's just wrong. And what they're basically telling the jockeys is... Uh, if you hit the horse, you're going to get fined. And I'm sure there's going to be a case where someone's going to hit a horse and the horse is going to, uh, because it maybe tried to get out or get in and it's going to finish way back and they're going to say, oh, no, it's okay. You're good. You're good. No, we're not going to find you. But in this case, they're basically saying, well, we don't believe you. Or the horse wasn't getting out enough, which means that you're supposed to let the horse get out to a dangerous um, position to put you in a worse position before you, you hit the horse. It's just... 
it's just mindless. It, and it, it makes no sense. And the fact that the public and the participants are not given an explanation for this is 100% wrong. And I just want people to recall that these are not racing people making these decisions. Certainly the stewards are to a degree. But the New Jersey Racing Commission doesn't have any racing people on it. And they're the cause of this. So when you say that we regulate ourselves or self-regulated, we're not. No one would have passed a rule like this. And, and if you had a rule like this and you didn't give the public and the participants some guidelines, uh, you weren't prepared. You had a, a way of <clears throat> determining something. Because if you bet on that race, well, you didn't even put up an inquiry. So if a jockey did something that everybody could see in a race that's going to get him a five-day suspension and a $500 fine, well, there should be an inquiry held at least. At least. At the very least. And that's my mammoth commentary uh, <laughs> for this week. Anyways, I believe Jeff is with us. Jeff, are you there? Yes, I'm on the phone. I was just listening to you talking about that, and I, uh, I'm not as much an expert as you are, but um, I know Kentucky recently passed some rules, and they work very closely with the jockeys, and everybody seems to be happy with uh, the rules they came up with down there. Yeah, exactly, and and I think that's the thing that, that bothers me most about this whole New Jersey situation is that people wanted to jump sides right away, which is fine. Everyone, you know, you're always going to have an, a, an opinion on, on a topic, right? You're going to have some people on the left, some people on the right, some people uh, in the middle. But the way this rule was constructed, now they want to go back and say, well, the jockey club could have sent, you know, the jockeys could have attended or done this or done that. Listen, you're making the rules. It's up to you to try to, to make the rules the, the the people making the rules should be the ones that are reaching out to try to make the rules better not not the, the, the you know not the people that aren't making the rules and um you know the Kentucky rules uh, and and I'll be honest I'm not an advocate for um or I am an advocate for for having some sort of of rules and having them allow the the people to try because I'll be honest, Jeff, I, I've said this on the show before. I, I don't like the fact that encouragement's a bad word, <laughs> you know? Like, we're, we're, we're trying to win here. This is the object of racing is to win, and, and it's not just a, a pony show where we go out there and we all get ribbons. I mean, winning is, is supposed to be uh, a big part of this, and, uh, you know, like when, I, I don't know, it's just, uh, it just seems like it's been handled poorly. Um, well, it has. I mean, and they've lost a ton of handle. Um, the only day I bet on it was the Haskell, and then my winner got DQ'd. And you know, at least some people are blaming the uh, the whip for that with Hot Rod Charlie. I mean, I don't know if that's the case or not, but fact is, the only day I bet it, my horse got disqualified. Um, and yeah, the handle's down. Um, so uh, you know, they got they got they didn't do it right. That's for sure. Um, I mean. I don't know. Again, I'm not an expert on this stuff. My, what I've read is that they redesigned the crops. They're not as, uh, they're really not painful, and they're meant to just provide instruction and you know encouragement. But you know, I can understand those that are upset by overwhipping. Um, 
you know, but you know, you got to come up with good rules, work with the jockey club, and uh, come up with the right kind of rules. I, I agree wholeheartedly, and I mean, I, I, there was a case yesterday at Saratoga where, uh, just visually, I, I think uh, in the seventh race where um, the most of the controversy was about uh, uh, Orlando Noda's first time with the horse. The horse runs off the screen, uh, but. And, and uh, you know, people are always going to draw lines on controversy. There's always going to be controversial people. You know what I mean? But my oh, point yeah. was like, yeah, more than ever, watching that race. Like I read, why are you still hitting that horse when you're ten lengths ahead? Like mm-hmm. you know, like this isn't some green two year old and it's trying to get in, or you're worried about. I mean, this is a seven year old horse, and you're, you know, you're way ahead, and and like this is the one meet where the most eyes are on it, and I think that. um you know, this is why we wound up with some of these rules, and that like that just seemed like it was a little over the top. And uh, you know, I mean, I'm not a guy that's going to sit there and say, "Oh, well, six is okay, and seven's not good, and five is too much." And I mean, you know, whatever the number is, the number is. But uh, but you know, the mama thing is just you know throwing safety out there, but not actually determining what safety is. <laughs> that's just oh, I know it's bad. You know, it's it's like. Uh, and this is why we have issues. But this, this is what this business does, unfortunately. Um, listen, I, you know, I noticed you on Twitter not not that long ago, and and um, I was kind of looking, you know, some of the stuff that you posted uh, for mm-hmm. your chartinghorsevalues.com um, yeah account. And it looked like hieroglyphics to me. I mean, I, I was kind of like, uh, you know, <laughs> I didn't, I, I don't have any understanding of how it's, how it's, uh, it's done. And and I thought, uh, you know, hey, you know, it might be interesting to to have have you on. And um, uh, you know, it sounds like you have a really interesting story. And I'd love to hear how you got involved in racing and um, mm-hmm. and how you just dis- you know determined that you wanted to uh, to wade into the uh, the horse racing. Uh, I guess speed figures, performance figures, what would you call them? Yeah, I don't know. I'd call them any of that. Um, but it's, I, you know, I call the, the site charting horse value because ultimately what that's what I'm doing is I'm creating charts and I'm trying to find value. Um, but yeah, let me go back in time. If, if you don't mind. Um, sure. so I went to UCLA, I was an electrical engineering guy. Um, and I remember once, my sophomore year, maybe it was my freshman year, I was walking by this guy's dorm room, and they had the Kentucky Derby on. And they're like, hey, Jeff, Jeff, come on in here. We're doing a pool. Pick a number. And, uh, you know, I pulled number one out, and it was Ferdinand. And uh, and I think we all put three bucks in, and the winner took all. Um, and, you, of course, you know Ferdinand, you know, and basically last to first up the rail. And uh, so that was my first exposure to horse racing. Um, but then later, as I, you know, about a year later, I started, you know, going to the track, Santa Anita, Hollywood Park, um, and I just loved it. Um, the data analysis and uh, watching every Trevor Denman video at night, 1130 at night, they would come on with the races, recap show, I'd watch it, study it. Um, I just loved it. The problem-solving element was uh, something I never experienced before, and uh, started reading tons of books. And I read this one book called Doctor Z's at the Racetrack. Very interesting book. Uh, I still have it. But basically, the guy was saying, "I don't know if you have you read that book." 
Ah, uh, you know, I remember that book, but and and I might have read it, but I mean, I can't. Okay, you know, I read a lot of those books. You know, the Queerin book, uh, Mark Kramer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. of course, the buyer books. I don't know if you read those, but those were kind of like, uh, right, yeah. you know, Stephen Christ, uh, Steve Davidowitz. I mean, God, there was so many, um, so many great books uh, in that era. Yeah. You know, it's it's nuts. And I was trying to get my hands on whatever I could, and I, I stumbled across this one, which was trying to was talking about market efficiencies and how predictable over the long run certain horses are based on their odds, okay? Mm-hmm. And he found that certain very short, and this is before the days of ADW, internet wagering, before the days of mingled pools. I mean, when you bet at Hollywood Park, you were betting into a Hollywood Park pool. That's right, it. sure. And there was no huge last-minute wagers. You know, everyone's trying to get their wager at the last second. There wasn't even computer terminals. And he found that if you study the win place and show pools, you would find that certain horses were under bet in the place and show. And he had all these formulas for it, and you could predict profitable scenarios to place in the show. And so I stuck this all in my computer. Uh, not computer, sorry, H. Hewlett-Packard calculator, reverse Polish notation. I programmed these formulas in, and I was at the track putting the pool sizes in real time and then trying to get my bet in at the last possible minute. <laughs> and hope my horse took second or third. And I was making money. I was making money on this system. Now, it was boring. It was so boring. Uh, it was so much work. I had no money at the time. You know, I was a college kid. It was a ton of work, and, you know, it took the complete joy out of solving the problem. But it taught me that there really is a way to make money on these horses just based on looking for value and market efficiencies. And that's when I started to look at my own way of doing it. And so I started manually doing it. I bought my first laptop in like 1994, maybe three. This is when laptops were brand new. Uh, and I bought one, and I, I got it. You know, I had Excel. Um, there was still Excel back then. And then uh, and, I, and I was just manually putting all the data in myself. And it was very, at that point, it was a fairly limited data set. But I was trying to predict the probability that a horse would win the race. And then I would turn that into an odds, and then I could be at the track, and I would know that this horse was good bet at 3-1. to And I would look at the horses, I would socialize with my friends, and I I bet the horse. That's all I did back then. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a great time. And what was great about it is before I did that, I was constantly studying the form you know, every second. And I didn't have a good time at the track because my friends were all having fun drinking. They were waiting for me to tell them what to bet on. And, you know, it took every second. But this this program enabled me to enjoy the races, find value easily, and make some money. So that's how it all started. Uh, that's, that's uh, you know, I know so many people, so many guys our age um, that got into racing and read some of those books and went mm-hmm. to the track and um you know became uh, you know e- either handicappers and of course you know the I-, I think these days there's a lot more awareness and, and discussion about actual value um mm-hmm. At, mm-hmm. you know what we're about and i think sometimes 
like sometimes we make fun of it. You know, it's, it's, you'll have some analysts at some track and they'll say the word value 14 times, you know, <laughs> describing right. one race, you know, it's like, all right. But, um, yeah, just, there was, uh, it was like the golden era of, of handicapping books. And, and, uh, I mean, obviously like everything is different nowadays, but I mean, when's the last time anyone wrote a book about handicapping that got a lot of widespread, uh, or you know, mm-hmm. handicap or wagering or or like you're you know you're talking about you know, trying to find value in the in the pools. Um, I guess it's just kind of a lost thing, you know. I mean, books are passive. It really is hard now. Um, I, I'd love to write a book one of these days, but the value thing now, the odds are changing so much after post time because of all the money coming in through computer wagers that are based on conditional odds, the last second coming in from all over the world. Uh, and then the odds change so dramatically. So it's much harder to do now. Um, you know, but, you know, I try. You know, I give it a try. And um, I've figured out, you know, some some ways to, you know, at least predict where there might be some value. Right. And um, so, you know, I pulled up my sheet. Um, if anyone's listening along and they want to, pull this sheet up. I pulled up my sheet from Saratoga last Saturday. It's on the yesterday's sheet page of my website, um, chartinghorsevalue.com. And I pulled it up. Anyway, I'm looking at this first race of the day, and I had the winner of this race. Now, the winner was uh, this six-horse, Ashar, and he was four-to-one morning line, which was third choice. And he was third on my sheet. I mean, I'm sorry. He was tops on my sheet. Number one horse on my sheet. He was third in the um, in the morning line. He ended up, I think, slight favorite with some late money. But um, in that sheet, you'll see this column called PFDS odds. And uh, you know, I I stuck with my my, my crude name there. PFDS stands for pace, fitness, distance, and surface. So it's an odds line for the horse, looking at all the PPs. And adjusting those PPs to today's conditions, class level, pace, fitness, distance, surface, and it's all summarized up into one number, okay? Mm-hmm. And that number is the size I think that horse represents value at. And this was a really wide open race, but Ashar was the best horse when you looked at that, that factor. And uh, so he's sitting on top of the sheet, and, you know, he his value compared to that morning line at four to one. Um, and ultimately that's my IP. It's those two odds lines. And now next to it is another odds line called best odds. And this is where I'm looking for something else, maybe a single race, uh, coming back to a better track, distance surface, maybe possible improvement off the layoff or second or third off the layoff, whatever it is, this is a, an indication that the horse might fire a better result today. And that's called best odds. And those are the two main odds lines I develop. And I consider those you know, completely proprietary. The mathematics is incredibly complex. And I don't think anyone does it as well as I do. That's, of course, my opinion. But those are my two odds lines. And everything else I do is very typical on this sheet. I mean, whether I'm analyzing a trainer or a jockey or speed ratings, Everything else is pretty typical, but those two columns in particular are critical um, to you know to these sheets, to these charts. Right. 
Um, uh, looking at your sheets, you have the the last column is A B C. Um, yeah. What is what is what are those? What does that designate? You have A plus for Ashar is a, a little S with an A plus. Yeah. So the A B C is kind of going back to Stephen Christ when he wrote his book uh, Zodic Betting or whatever, mm-hmm. and he would he would play A B crosses and then he would play C with A's. Um, and all A's and different betting amounts. And I think they got like ticket makers now in DRF. And so I was trying to kind of align myself to that. Okay. So that's what the ABC means. Okay. And basically a, a horse that gets a letter grade, I consider to be a possible winner. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, now sometimes the horses that don't get letter grades win, it happens. But for the most part, I feel like, one of those four horses that you see the letter grade should win this race. Um, but the A horses obviously are much stronger selections than the C horses. Sure. And by the way, that race went 6-1, I think. Um, I think it went 6-1-7. Yes. It was the exact yes. result. Um, now, the plus is can go to any letter grade. In fact, it can go to a horse that doesn't even get a letter grade. It's just looking for the combination of value and letter grade. It's looking for the best combination sure. of those two things. And that would be like the best bet in that race. So if I, sometimes someone always says, well, who do you like? Who are you going to pick? And I go, well, you know, how are you playing? What, what are you betting? What, what kind of wager, et cetera? You know, that affects you bet. But if, they, if someone says, absolutely, who are you going to bet in this race? The closest thing I can tell them is the plus horse. Right, um, and then the little S in front is a new thing I created in the last month. It's doing extremely well. It's called the spot play. It's looking for the best wagers on the whole card or the whole day across all tracks. So maybe about ten percent of races will qualify. Right now, my ROI on that is like twenty-seven percent profit through two hundred sixty races, and I think if you limit that to five to one, I think it's forty percent profit, flat profit. Mm-hmm. Just betting the same amount to win every horse. So the spot play thing is a thing of beauty, and uh, I, I've attracted a lot of new customers with it. But um, that's what the little X means. Okay. So, yeah, the 6-1, it wasn't easy, too, by the way, in that race. And, um, you know, it doesn't always happen. Now, a lot of people say, well, how do you play serial wagers? Okay, And that's, like, the hardest thing there is to play. And most of us do an extremely poor, poor job of constructing tickets. But one of the things I look at is who got a one in the rank column. So you see that rank column, and there's you know up to five numbers you can get. Mm-hmm. Five different ways I'm looking at the horses. And if you got a one, that means you were the best horse in that particular way I looked at them. And I like to look hard at using everyone that gets a one. And if you glance at the second race, the winner was that four down there, Pathetique. And got a one. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I hit that double, by the way. Six, four. I singled the six, and I went um, three deep in the second race, using all three horses that had a one. The nine, the three, and the one. I had, sorry, the four. And by the way, that race went four, three on the exacta. So, you know, two of one horses ran one, two. So, you know, I, I like to use, um, so when I'm playing serial wagers, I like to look really hard at that rank column and look at all those horses that get ones. I can't use them all, okay? 
but you know, I, I come up with a strategy. I try to figure out what am I really betting on? What's my opinion that I'm trying to leverage? In this case, it's a char. And if I could couple that with a few horses in the next race, I got myself a nice double. Okay, and that's how I look at serial wagers. I don't try to, you know, these people throwing around $800 caveman pick fives, they're going to commit suicide in the long run. They're not going to be able to be profitable. Sure. Um, but um, so that's uh, that. Well, I don't know where we were going with that. But, that, yeah, that was answering your question on the letter grades. Um, the other thing that you'll notice, I think it's critical to this sheet. It's kind of a new thing I created last year. Over in the DS column, you'll see this, the distance, nine furlongs, the surface, dirt, turf, or all weather, claiming race. And then you'll see this number four, okay? And you can get a number from zero to five. Five is the absolute best. But four is a very strong race. I'm basically telling you how confident I am in betting this particular race, mm-hmm. okay? Now, in the race below it, it's a two. In a special way, if you you know, if you continue to scroll down, you'll see ones and twos and ones. Occasionally, you'll see a zero. Okay, it's how confident you should be betting this race. What what is, is that scale? Is uh, zero being the lowest and and uh, yeah, five the best? Yeah. Five the, okay. And you know, I've never done this, but I was just thinking the other day that that could be like a, um, a betting construct. You could say, all right, I'm going to bet the most when it's five. I'm going to bet the least when it's one. I'm, I'm going to pass completely when it's a zero. And you could set up your wagering, you know, levels yourself. But you could use that as the guideline of where you should be risking your money. Sure. Um, but a char, obviously, was a great bet, a great place to put your money. Okay? Uh, so that's a really important thing over there on the left. And, um, I mean, the, the trainer and jockey scores are unique. The trainer is, score is based on trainer angles. Okay. Trainer angle uh, so for, for have, that particular race because I noticed like Ashar, who's trained by Pletcher, had a nine in uh, trader rating. And then Malathat, of course, the same trainer, had, a, had an 11. Um, and Marakuj had an 11 as well. Yes. And it can change within the race as well. It's based on the horse. Um, the, the levels change based on how many horses are in there. Um, but it's mathematically set up, uh, on a log scale. So three DB or three points in the score is a 50% reduction in win probability. So a trainer of nine compared to a trainer of six is the same as a trainer of 11 compared to a trainer of eight. Right. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, that's how I set the math up, mm-hmm. but it's pretty, it's pretty helpful. Uh, that trainer and jockey scores, um, you know, the early speed, late speed, the energy is kind of a speed figure. The PFDS percentage is uh, looking at how well the horse fits today's race, and you can occasionally get a really high score. Like you look at Tracy Flick in that second race, gets a 1.1. That's a really good fit. Uh, of course, horse lost. Okay, and, and uh, the green um, on Tracy, uh, the, the you know the denotion of green versus the the orangish that, that that's high versus low. Yeah. Okay. High versus low. And the low on the, on the PFDS percentage is 0.5 or below. And it, it would be a concern for me if those horses were low odds. I, I don't mind seeing something there. If the horse is eight to one. Right. 
I, in fact, I'd love to see it there. I mean, the horse is trying something completely different, and that's when long shots happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, Over in the fitness column, I did give a workout score, QRN. It's a very, you know, fairly, it's a good workout score. Nothing wrong with it. But basically, it's a pass-fail. Um, end horses win all the time. Nothing wrong with being an end horse, but I'm just comparing the workouts between an end horse and a Q horse, and Q's better. Right. And then the number next to it is months of layoff. You know, so you see this freedom of the press in, in the second race coming off an eight-month layoff. You know, you can decide what you want to do with that information. Sure. And then the form cycle is uh, one is either a first-time starter or a layoff of 90 days, and the two, three is a horse make a second or a third start off a 90-day layoff. Okay. And that might be an indication of potential improvement. And all that gets factored into the letter grade. Everything gets factored into the letter grade. Let me, let me ask you um, this question, Jeff. Um, yeah. You know, Saratoga is famous for midday thunderstorms. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, all right, we, we saw the second race with, uh, that day was a, a, a mile maiden special on the turf. Uh, what if it, you know, would, 1230 it rained hard and they took that off the turf the how are the numbers affected significantly it's uh, basically a toss i mean honestly yeah. i would just pass i wouldn't even bet the race with my things right um the everything is based off of the distance and the surface and um it's all up in the air if, if it, it changes and right. i wouldn't trust anything Right. I mean, so, so figures. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. it's so. you're completely dependent on on. I mean, and I know, like you know, most there really aren't that many occasions where races are changed uh, dramatically. You know, taking off the turf in the card these days. Yeah. Most of the time, they're taking them off early. But uh, yeah, just was you know asking that question because I mean, Saratoga in particular is a place where. Uh, you know, you get those, you know, they're doing everything they can to try to stay on the grass, but sometimes you just get the monsoons and there's just nothing you can do right. about it. And theoretically, I could rerun the sheet and change the distance and surface and rerun it. Mm-hmm. And the odds lines will definitely correct. Um, the PFTS percentage will correct. Everything will correct, but the letter grade will still be hosed up um, mm-hmm. because there's some things coming into it that will not correct. But, um, you know, I can semi-correct it, but I don't. I just, I just let people make adjustments on their own. Sure. A lot of times these uh, races get, the, you know, they get, you know, you get a million scratches and then it's, it's uh, you know, just a different, uh, a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Now, one final thing, if you go down to race five and you see the, the grade one there, the CCA Oaks. And, mm-hmm. This is why I try not to look at past performances because I, 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 I look at past performances for this particular race. And after looking at the past performances, I told myself, Maracuja can't win this race. <laughs> okay, looking at the past performances. Right. Can't win this. <laughs> of course, every horse can theoretically win a race. Right. Okay. You know, it's just low probability. Now, rock, paper, scissors to me was a complete toss and actually ran like it, ran, ran awful. Okay. Yeah. But if you look at this sheet, okay, Mount that's the best horse, and I give it a PFDS odds of 0.7 and a best-case odds of even money. I mean, that's very, very strong, okay? But the horse went off a 1-5. to five. Sure. And that's not a good bet. 
okay? Uh, but it's on top of my sheet. gets the highest score K. That's very rarely given out. And then Clarier is second on the sheet. But then Maracuja is third on the sheet. And Maracuja's overall odds, 8.2. But best case, if she ran back to a previous race, and that was the race against search results where she ran halfway decent, puts her at 5-2. to two. Right. Okay? And a value score of 17 compared to the 6-1. to one. The horse ends up going off at 15-1, to one, by the way. Right. And that's the bet. I mean, that is the bet. Gets the C, gets the plus. Plus means that's the bet. Yes, it's the third best horse, but that's still the bet. Yeah, right. And that's the thing you got to get over in your mind is you're not trying to pick the most likely winner. You're trying to select the best wager in this race. And he won. You know, he got a perfect yes. trip, and he left uh, out when Clarier, you know, committed suicide on the lead against Malfat. Yeah, rock, paper, and, scissors. I mean, yeah. She and Maracuja, you know. And one rock, race. rock yeah. paper scissors came out and she had an extension blinker on her right front uh on her blinker you know extension blinkers okay. are horses that get out yeah. severely and you know when you're, you're at saratoga you don't have much of a run to the first turn so um <laughs> i was like oh <laughs> you know like that that's that's interesting i mean that's just not something you usually see at that level of of you know, grade one competition, you don't usually see horses that, that have uh, kind of severe um, equipment like that. And I mean, it wasn't like I was going to use her, but as it turns out, they had planned on going to the lead in their ace and, and then, and that like totally changed everything. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was, that was, I mean, it's so funny because, you know, going into the race, you're looking at, like you said, looking at the past performances, you see four horses, none of which are particularly, um, you know, early pace, like pace setting speed horses. Yep. And what happens, they wind up going, you know, 47 to the half. <laughs> I said, I, I did the show last night. I said, the bear, I said, you know, if, if, if you put maybe before the race, say, all right, put the over under on a, a half time, I would say 48 and two, 48 and three. Right, because you're figuring, well, yeah. nobody's going to be out there winging it, so everybody will kind of be playing cat and mouse. And as it turns out, they went one of the fastest halves probably of the meet. Yeah, I uh, totally agree, and um, <laughs> I heard you on that. Um, you know, two things happened. One, the two broke really well. But by the way, I thought it would be very slow-paced, and I thought Malafat would be loping along up front. But the two broke extraordinarily well. And so Malafat had to rush a little bit into that first turn just to sort of hold that rail spot. Mm-hmm. Then Malafat tried to slow it down. The two drops back, and then Clarier comes up on the outside. Right. And for, and, and and that was the, that was the that was the killer. Now you had that fast run in the first turn, and then you had to accelerate again when Clarier went by. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, she actually he, ran. B- pretty fast internal fractions the first quarter the second quarter and the third quarter i mean there really was no was no breather and i mean those two horses were kind of head and head around the final turn and i mean maracuja and santana just did a great job of of you know seeing that the pace was was hot and uh you know it's funny it's you know, like i said it's four horse race turns out to be a great a great stretch run it was um, a great stretch run and you know honestly the best horse lost um, you know, but that's what, that's what happens in horse racing. But, you know, when I saw Maracuja's past performances, um, by the way, my friend hit Maracuja. Um, you know, I, I felt stupid. I didn't, but, 
And when I started starting out with past, past performances, I was looking at the workout pattern. She took a month off, no work. She took she, After the derby, she got to work like two weeks later. Mm-hmm. Then she took a whole month off. What the heck happened there? I knew that was odd. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. it was nothing but slow for me for a long workout, four for a long workouts after that. I mean, they really, I don't think that horse was 100% cranked up. Um, probably could have won anyway if, you know, luck hadn't gone against her. But No, if you recall, um, after the Derby, after the Oaks, really, um, you know, she had that one work. And then there was talk before that that they were maybe considering the Belmont. She had that work. And all of a sudden, that Belmont was off, and <laughs> and the coaching yeah, club was right. the next race. And uh, supposedly, she had lost some weight, and um, you know, they're fillies, and it happens. It's just, uh, it's you know, it's part of the great allure of horse racing, and that uh, you know, big favorites get beat, and they yeah. get beat a lot. It's it's not you know, not all the time do they win, but uh, no. But that was that was a really interesting race, and. Uh, yeah, it was. This is a great day of racing. This weekend's going to be phenomenal. Oh, I, I just, haven't looked at it yet, but the, the card should be amazing. It should be really good, and I just hope that uh, the rain holds off. And, and you know, actually, Sunday's card at Saratoga wasn't terrible considering all the turf races were off the turf, and they, they had enough main track onlys that drew in to, to keep the races at least, uh, you know, semi-interesting and didn't have a bunch of two- or three-horse fields, which... It was the worst, but um, yeah, the 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 weekend, uh, you know, it's really cranking up, and um, you know, this is the best time of the year. Yeah, well, I'm excited. I'm going to Saratoga Travers. Uh, I'm doing this epic road trip. I'm going up to Arlington, and then I'm going to head through Indiana and Ohio, and then go up to Saratoga, and then come back down through Delaware and Colonial. And um, I'm going to be there all week for the Travers and. I've been haven't been to Saratoga since my first baby was born, and then uh, haven't been to the Travers in thirty years. So that's going to be great. Look forward to it. Yeah, it so- sounds like it. I mean, uh, you know, you got to get over to Arlington because this is going to be it for them. I know, I know, it's awful. It's, and it's, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going the week after. I think it's the week after, or the week before um, the million. Uh, what well, used to be the million, I guess, and. Yeah. Uh, the six hundred thousand. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> now it's six hundred thousand. Four thousand dollars cheaper. Thirty five years later, Do, doesn't doesn't have that same ring to it. <laughs> no, uh, no, it doesn't. But uh, the uh, looking forward to Arlington, um, and uh, gonna gonna see the Travers. And, and I guess you're in Florida, is that right? Yeah, I'll be up there somewhere though. Okay, all right, good. I'm I'm getting out of here for a little while, so. Uh, so I'll be up. I don't know when. I don't. I don't, I, don't okay. want, I can't put plans out there because then people will track me. You know, I don't want the CIA or anybody following <laughs> me. But, um, yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, listen. That's uh, after last year and all the, you know, the difficulty and, uh, you know, not having anybody be present at any race is just. About, I mean, not not all of them, but you know. I mean, Saratoga's run without fans last year. It's just like kind of like unthinkable. But uh, yeah, it's great to be able to get, go back to the races and, and have uh, that part of, of life be a little bit more normal. And uh, yeah, see what happens. But that sounds like a, a, an interesting road trip. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of tracks on the way between uh, Texas and uh, and Illinois and 
all across the land. There's racetracks. Uh, I'm going to enjoy it. I got friends in everywhere, all the places, and I'm going to enjoy it. And um, but anyway, you know, back to this sheet. Any other questions, or have I have I done a good enough job explaining what this thing does? No, I, I think I'm going to post. Um, uh, I'm going to post a, a picture of the sheet, if that's okay, when when I post yeah, this on yeah. the internet, so people can at least kind of follow along and see uh, what we're talking about. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting, and it's funny that you know you've explained a lot of because when I first looked at it, I was like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Like, I understand best odds, right? Um, <laughs> I figure pace and energy and ES and LS or late speed and early speed. I mean, I can kind of figure what those are. I mean, train or jockey, but like I didn't know how to like interpret what what was going on. And and now you did a, a good job of explaining. Uh, and it makes a lot more sense now than uh, than it did before. So I, I do appreciate that. And uh, um, how how do people um, they they go to chartinghorsevalue.com dot com and you have um, uh, downloads there. You can just uh, get a subscription, yeah. or you can buy them individually. Well, this is the best part, and um, there's a lot of products out there you can buy. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, hundreds of hundreds of competitors. Okay, but mine's twenty dollars a month, and you're going to get every track I run. I'm running like sixteen, seventeen tracks a week. Okay, right. um, and it's twenty dollars a month. I run one track for free. It's Delaware. I'll, I'll keep changing that throughout the year. So if people want to just watch, follow along for free. I got one track there for them for free. Um, the, the membership, twenty dollars, is the best deal you're ever going to get, and that's what all my members tell me. Uh, you know, I've got people who've hit four thousand dollar pick fours off my sheets. Okay, and, and you know they paid for four years of uh, or sixteen years or something like that of subscriptions. Um, so, yeah, you can go on there, you can register, you can pay the $20 subscription, you can get access to the spot plays, get access to the sheets, and um, for everything. And, you know, membership is booming, it's going great, um, but I'm looking for more, for sure. And uh, it's all I do now. I retired from regular work, so this is uh, this is my hobby business, and, you know, so far so good. Well, uh, I tell you what, Jeff. The price point twenty dollars a week or a month, excuse me, for uh, all the tracks is. Uh, I mean, that's uh, works out to be about what eighteen cents a card or something like that. Something. Really yeah, cheap, exactly. So. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it might be less than that. I mean, I've given out two hundred sixty spot plays in the last three and a half weeks. You know, you could even look at it per, per spot play. I mean, it's. Um, it's a good deal. I made it affordable. I want everyday handicappers that, you know, only go once or twice a month to be able to afford it. Um, you don't have to buy Honestly, if you're just a casual handicapper and want to have fun, you don't have to go buy an $11 form now, okay? Racing forms used to be great. They're ridiculously expensive now. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of great products out there, but make sure that you are buying a product that is proportionate to how much you actually gamble. Uh, if you're if you're gambling, you know, a few hundred dollars a month or even a thousand dollars a month, be careful spending 150 on uh, on a product. Yeah, that's but, that's, um, that's very very true too. I mean, if you're a guy who goes and you know you're betting a hundred a card, it's it's hard to spend. You know, it's, it's hard to spend twenty or thirty percent of your money. It's bad enough if you go to the track, you got to pay to get in, you got to pay to park, you got to pay exorbitant amounts to get a a drink of water of. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, so uh, 
I mean, hell, you got if you go I, with a hundred, you you might wind up having about four bucks to bet <laughs> at the end. Listen, the expert handicappers, and I have a few that subscribe to my my um, sheets. They're like, oh, I'll pay one hundred twenty bucks a month for this thing. But, I mean, that's that's the value they see. Right. But you know, obviously, if you don't go, if you're not betting every single day, you won't see that kind of value. But twenty dollars, you just can't beat it. One guy, friend of mine, who you know, I met through this through my business. He's like, well, I stop buying the program every time I go to the track. I save four dollars a day for that. Um, you know, so it's very easy to get to justify the twenty dollars. And plus, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think I'm going to help you win. So I hope I get more customers. It's going well. I'm happy with it. And um, you know, uh, I really appreciate you letting me come on your show. I'm very thankful for that. No, any time. And uh, I mean, I, I just you know. I don't know why I didn't realize it was twenty dollars a month. I thought it was twenty. You know, this is this is my own mind scattering, but uh, I thought it was twenty dollars a day. <laughs> it's it's twenty dollars a month. I mean, oh yeah, it's just uh, that that's like one of the best values in horse racing. Period. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, oh, I know. I'm not saying that because you're on the show. But just it really is. I mean, like you said, it's eleven bucks for the form, and they're going to give you probably two or three tracks you don't even want. But um. That's great. I, yeah. def- I have one question. Yeah. Um, if I get a submarine, can you drive it? I can. Yes, I can drive a submarine. All right. Um, if, you know, I was that. You know, I was a very good submarine driver. I was an officer in the Navy, submarines. And um, you know, when I was on the bridge, or you know, um, what they call the con control deck mm-hmm. uh, when you're submerged you know ultimately i'm giving all the orders for what to do you know with the submarine where to go what direction what speed i can drive it yep all right well listen this is good to know and you know it's always nice to have uh, <laughs> uh you know a network of people that can do things that are uh, kind of specialty and now if i somehow acquire a submarine i know i got somebody <laughs> that can drive it so, yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to come and drive it. Hey, listen, you never know. I might make so much money <laughs> betting on the races <laughs> that I decide to buy a submarine. <laughs> oh man, I've looked, I've looked. They they do exist, but they are very expensive. But uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> a yellow submarine, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. Uh, so, they, they anyway, just make they, we me. just can't have missiles on it because uh, you know I might be willing to shoot them. <laughs> Uh, there's a couple places, a couple tracks that I know that probably could use a couple missiles shot into them. But uh, yes. Uh, anyways, Jeff, I do appreciate you coming on and, and uh, giving us a little tutorial, and uh, look forward to uh, to checking your product out. Um, and uh, believe me, uh, uh, it's 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 a great uh, you know tremendous value. So, uh, and I appreciate you you, uh, you know making it because honestly, like you said, when I look at it now, it all. It all makes sense. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, and uh, I hope it all works out great for you. Thank you so much. And, and maybe I'll all see right, you in Saratoga. You never know. Maybe no. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let me know, please. Sounds great. All right, Jeff, thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Everyone, that's Jeff Bessa from ChartingHorseValue.com. Um, you know, $20 for a month's worth of of of, of help. At every track and that's running virtually, uh, that that's uh, that's that's good value. Um, we're gonna go to uh, we're gonna go to a break now, and we'll come back. And uh, Kim Weir of the TRF is gonna come and talk about 
uh, they've got a couple um, couple fundraisers coming up. We'll talk about that on the other side. Thanks. From BRL Equine, the people that bring you EPO Equine, Unlock and Bleeder Shield, now comes Flexify HA, the most advanced scientifically based joint supplement on the market. To find out more, contact me, Joseph Volante, at 215-501-6880. To be the best, give them only the best. BRL Equine. This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. All right, we're back. Um, To close out the show today, we have uh, TRF's Kim Weir on. Um, Kim is going to talk about a couple of the big fundraisers that they have in Saratoga um, for the Retired Horse Foundation. Uh, of course, uh, it's a huge, a huge undertaking, and, and it's something that uh, we have a long ways to go, but we've done a lot in, in this business, and uh, Kim is uh, one, of the, one of the reasons why. Um, are you there, Kim? I am here, Chuck. How are you? Oh, I'm just, just fine. Uh what do you guys got going on? Oh, my goodness. Well, it is summer in Saratoga, which means it's both hot and rainy and also a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, but it has been a, a great start to the summer. I think, I think I've decided that everybody's trying to make up for last summer by doing twice as many things in this one summer. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think trying to make up for lost time. Uh, and, and the way things are looking on the, uh, the COVID front, we may be going back into something like last year. So we got to... We got to uh, strike while Aaron's hot, you know. Exactly, make hay while the sun shines. All those things, all, and I have all to say those, those all those cliches. All those cliches—they're all true. <laughs> so, um, so, what do you guys got going? You got something coming up uh, next week, right? Yeah, you know, it's just been—it's out of the starting gate pretty fast this summer with a couple things that have already come and gone and been a lot of fun, but. On the horizon, um, we, we basically have a little trifecta to look at for your, your audience. <laughs> in August, um, we start on August 8th, um, which is that Sunday night before the sales. And uh, this is one of several events that are being hosted for our horses, and we are just so grateful. It's for the benefit of the TRF, but with honestly very little um, <laughs> to be done from us, but to say thank you. This first event on August 8th is being hosted by the Casamigos Tequila folks who have some really wonderful people involved, um, the Eye Insider being the one folks know the best, um, but also the Adelphi Hotel. So those two, two interesting uh, folks have come together to host this event on the 8th of August that benefits both the TRF and the PDJF. So it's called for jocks and horses, which we think is a pretty good combo. Um, and so that is on the 8th, and that is a neat thing where you buy a ticket and you either get just a nice, like, Casamigos tequila-based cocktail and a appetizer. I understand these are Bobby Flay-inspired appetizers, so his creative juices are somehow being cooked in. Um, but if you buy a ticket for $100, you actually are buying a bottle of the Casamigos tequila that's signed by the whole New York Stocky column, and that's something that the... Um, 
that the hosts have arranged. So, so anyway, it's a neat, it's a neat thing, all these people being so creative. And at the end of the day, all the proceeds, 100%, go to both the TRF and it's split with us and the PDJF. So that is something we're incredibly grateful for and have almost nothing to be done other than to say thank you and to tell people about it. So that is the first of the, of the trilogy that I would love to share with your audience. So. And that's, that's uh, at the Adelphi, and it's $25 admission for a drink and an hors d'oeuvres, and it's 100 uh, You get a signed bottle and a uh, drink and hors d'oeuvres, of course, as well. And you have two very worthy uh, um, uh, charities, uh, you know, the found the PD, the Permanently Disabled Jockey Fund, and the TRF. Uh, that's, that's, you know... It's, yeah, it's really it's just a beautiful thing, really. We're yeah. just really, really grateful and so grateful for uh, one of our tremendous board members who try to, tries to stay in the background on things like this, but Anita Motion uh, really is the person who made all this magic happen. So must, I cannot say enough thanks for Anita and, and just how much she cares and how creative she is. So, so that's the first one. Um, but, you know, it's August in Saratoga, so we have to just pack them in. So we actually have another thing that same week <laughs> on Wednesday after the sale. And this is uh, continuing our new theme, which is horses like gumbo. You know, who do? <laughs> um, who doesn't? Have a, yeah, I know. Who doesn't? I guess that's, that's a really good question. Who doesn't love gumbo? Um, but our horses seem to love it because this all started, like, actually back in 2019 when, when Kendrick Carmouche did a gumbo cook-off for one of our silent auction items. And that inspired... The, this next event is August 11th. Michael Baychock, the um, National Handicapping uh, Tournament champion, he he apparently reached out to our friend Peter uh, Fornital and said, wait a minute, if Kendrick's doing gumbo, you know, I have gumbo. I want to bring my gumbo for the horses. And so that is what's happening on August 11th. Um, Michael Baychock is actually flying up his favorite New Orleans gumbo chef, a man named Frank Bridgeton of Bridgeton's Restaurant in New Orleans. And he's... That man, that chef, is coming and cooking his gumbo, and it's our new Gumbo for the Horses event on August 11th. Um, you know, your $25 ticket gets you truly authentic gumbo straight from Louisiana and a beer from our local artisanal um, brew works that we just are partnering with. And it's being hosted at our friend Mara Pulver's uh, restaurant, which is called Simply Food by Mara, so it's sort of our private event space. And it's just going to be a lot of fun on a Wednesday night in Saratoga. So that's August 11th. Well, that that's great. Uh, I've been to Brigston's. As a matter of fact, Neil Pesson, the great Neil Pesson, brought me to Brigston's one year when I was stabled uh, down in New Orleans, and uh, the food was uh, astoundingly good. I mean, oh. amazingly good. So, uh, if, oh, I love that you've been there. Oh that's yeah, wonderful. You've been, you've been everywhere. I realize this. <laughs> of course, you've been well, there. <laughs> that, that that place is uh, that place is some place. It was it was uh, it was great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you for that connection. It, 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 you know, we all get hungry every time we talk about these events. I think when I talked to Maggie on last week, she's like, I can't, my, my stomach just grumbled talking so, about this. I am so hungry right now. You can't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so that, one, that, one, that one's on the 11th, and we're very grateful. And it is our friends uh, in, in the money of Peter Fornital who cooked this up with Michael. And, and you know, then everyone just jumps in, and Mara's offered her space. And, our artisanal guys are offering the beer, and all of our horses, if they could only say thank you, that is, that is what I get to do, is say thank you to all these great folks who come up with these fun ideas, and we get to have some fun and raise some money for these horses. So that's, that's that. That's excellent. 
And then we found out we, we it's not to say these will be the only things in August, but for today and for your um, for your for your audience and your ears, Chuck, our big our big shebang is our um, TRS barbecue at the barn. That is truly our official summer fundraiser. That is the one that the whole staff of the TRS actually does all the does all the work. But all that really means is we engage friends and volunteers, and um, we'll be hosting that on August twenty fourth. And we're so happy to be returning to the Saratoga Winery, which is where we've been. We've been there the last two years. Now, we started this in 2019 on a beautiful August night. We sold out. We ran out of tickets, and it was so much fun. Last year, we regrouped and did it via drive through And I remember talking with you about that last year. You let me sing this song last year. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're back, and we are so glad. As of, as of today, we are so glad we are going to be back in person, and this is this is a fun event because it's a very family-friendly event. Like, this is the, we kind of not, we love all the different Saratoga events and we go to all of them, but this is kind of the un, the un-fundraiser fundraiser because you can, people can bring their kids, you can come at all ages. Sure. It's a, um, a reasonably priced ticket, it's $40, and you get all this great barbecue, and we have um, miniature ponies roaming around the lawn, <laughs> we have racing celebrities, and a couple book signings. Uh, and on a, a silent auction and a raffle basket. And now, if I'm allowed, I have to say that your fabulous father is a wonderful part of this event. You know this, right? <laughs> yes, yes. He's, uh, I know, I know he's well, donated I guess, some artwork. And, and, he did. He did in 2019. And we just saw him a week ago on a quick call day. It was so nice to see your, your mom and dad. And he already had some things in mind for our silent auction. So thanks to the, the Simon family is a big part of our, our herd. Thank you for that. Well, glad to do it. And, you know, if you give my dad barbecue, he'll pretty much give you guys anything you want. So, <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, it's, a great, it's a great cause. And, um, you know, any, any way that, uh, you know, I, I've always told you, any way that we can help out in any way, you know, promotion, you know, making people go, <laughs> uh, spreading the word, uh, just, uh, you know, covering the event, whatever, it's uh, certainly worth our time and uh worth everyone else's time and you know you guys put on great events and that's that's part of the deal too i mean well what we're calling this one you know a celebration of the horses that make summer so special in saratoga it's a little bit long but it is it's that's what we're trying to celebrate and we're just so glad to do it together and it does they bring us all together so if they do it every time we talk and every time we gather it's these horses that do it and we're so glad folks care like you and your folks and all of your listeners um so it's fun. It's fun to tell you about these three. You're so good to let me do it. I would say, not to, you know, just in the spirit of the, of the cause, the barbecue is that thing that actually does allow folks who can't come. <laughs> they can still participate, as you, as you well know, because sure. they can actually give a gift. So we do sponsors for the event, of course, like any event. But a lot of folks end up sponsoring the barbecue who can't come because they just want to show their support. So we list sure. them all in the program. We've already been getting those in, and that's just so heartening and gratifying and just, just one more little throw in there that if folks can't be here and they want to be here in spirit, they can do that too. But we would love, we would love to beam you up here. <laughs> Is there any chance? I think there's a, actually a pretty good chance that uh, that I might make one good. or two, or you never even know. I might get the trifecta and do do all three. You never know. <laughs> that would be awesome. You know, you you mentioned the keyword food, so that <laughs> that'll generally yes. uh, that's that's like. Uh, that's my that that's my weakness. <laughs> so, well, that's what motivates many of us. It motivates the horses too. So uh, we're all alike that way. <laughs> that, that, that's true. But uh, anyways, uh, Kim, really, 
thrilled to you know hear about these uh these events and hopefully they, they all go well and um you know i think uh, like i said you guys you guys put together really good events and people have fun and and the, the food is always great and it's always a good time and uh of course in the end the purpose served is, is is the important part and that's to make sure that we can take care of the horses that have uh, provided so much for us Yes, it's so true. Well, you are such a part of that, uh, Chuck, and I do just think we want to celebrate everyone in those and anyone who's listening who says, you know, I have an idea. I wonder if this would help. We really welcome and encourage all that creativity because uh, we, we, we don't think we know it all. We just know we want to say thank you, and we want to um, feed our horses and keep them happy. So, you know, who knows where, what we'll be talking about next, next time. <laughs> who knows what great ideas are going to germinate from this conversation so thank you for letting me share all of it with you and hey, listen the, kim the bigger it gets the more money gets raised the more horses you guys can take care of the more facilities you can have it's just uh, there's no downside to it so uh we'll just keep on keeping on uh, well i'm planning on it and i'm going to be looking for you my friend i like i like the way you're talking about this trifecta so uh, you never know I might... you <laughs> and come up i might sneak up so good uh, all right well Kim, appreciate your, you uh, telling us about this, and uh, we will we will continue to uh, to uh, make uh, you know announcements. We'll we'll push it on our social media, and uh, right before the events, we'll we'll make sure that we get some a uh, little more publicity. Just remind me because you know sometimes I live in uh, you know Never Neverland. So just give me a, a shout, and and we'll make sure that we uh, we promote these events just before they're uh, happening as well, just to, to make sure everybody doesn't miss out. Thank you, thank you, Chuck. You be well. Thanks All for right, the time. you too. Talk to you later, Kim. Okay, bye bye. All right, that was Kim Weir of the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. They have three uh, events in Saratoga upcoming. Uh, they really do the the events that they have are, are always well attended. They're always fun. Um, the food is always great. There's you know alcohol, and um, it's for a great cause. So if you get a chance, if you can support it. Uh, if you can't get there, you know, I'm sure any kind of support would help. Um, but if you can, you know, I, I really recommend there's a lot of things to do in Saratoga. But, uh, you know, honestly, for the price you're paying, um, it's probably you probably get more bang from your buck going to the barbecue or the gumbo. Um, I don't know the the gumbo event, <laughs> I guess. Uh, then you are going to a, a restaurant where you know you're going to get nailed for uh, a lot, a lot more. Um, I do want to thank uh, Jeff Bessup for for coming on and explaining uh, his chartinghorsevalues.com website and and his kind of philosophy and the fact that uh, he drives a submarine, which means if we acquire one, we'll have a guy to drive it. But uh, honestly, twenty dollars for a month worth of uh, racing you know every day that's 30 days in a month that that's uh <laughs> i don't know man there's, there might not be a better deal on racing but i think people should you know check it out for 20 bucks it can't hurt right um and again the trf uh you know the event's coming up soon and then oh, as soon as the clock strikes uh august and uh or the calendar i should say and uh pretty much we have a nice you know good weekend coming up of racing hopefully uh Hopefully the rain stays away and uh, we can uh, have full fields and keep up the momentum. All right. Thank you to Casey and for everyone for listening. Uh, sign up. The Going in Circles uh, 
podcast newsletter. I have something that'll come out this week. I've been a little tardy on getting that out uh, this past week, but uh, sign up for that. You can get a link at uh, on my Twitter account, pretty much anywhere. Uh, plus, I always post them for free. It's easier to subscribe, and this way you get it directly sent to you. Uh, we do want to thank uh, um, everyone for listening. I appreciate it. I know I know there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of options out there, and uh, our our listenership has been has been strong, and and I do appreciate it. All right. Well, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. From BRL Equine, the people that bring you EPO Equine, Unlock, and Bleeder Shield, now comes Flexify HA, the most advanced scientifically based joint supplement on the market. To find out more, contact me, Joseph Volante, at 215 501 6880. To be the best, give them only the best. BRL Equine. This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast.